Remember your mercies, O Lord. With your eternal protection, sanctify your servants, for whom Christ, your Son, established the Paschal mystery by the shedding of his blood. We ask this through Christ our Lord. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. See, my servant shall prosper. He shall be raised high and greatly exalted. Even as many were amazed at him, so marred was his look beyond human semblance and his appearance beyond that of the sons of man. So shall he startle many nations. Because of him, kings shall stand speechless. For those who have not been told shall see, those who have not heard shall ponder it. Who would believe what we have heard? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a sapling before him, like a shoot from the parched earth. There was in him no stately bearing to make us look at him, nor appearance that would attract us to him. He was spurned and avoided by people, a man of suffering, accustomed to infirmity. One of those from whom people hide their faces spurned, and we held him in no esteem. Yet it was our infirmities that he bore, our sufferings that he endured. While we thought of him as stricken, as one smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our offenses crushed for our sins. Upon him was the chastisement that makes us whole. By his stripes we were healed. We had all gone astray like sheep, each following in his own way. But the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. Though he was harshly treated, he submitted and opened not his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, or a sheep before the shears, he was silent and opened not his mouth. Oppressed and condemned, he was taken away. And who would have thought any more of his destiny? When he was cut off from the land of the living and smitten for the sin of his people, a grave was assigned him among the wicked and a burial place with evildoers. Though he had done no wrong nor spoken any falsehood, but the Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. If he gives his life as an offering for sin, he shall see his descendants in a long life, and the will of the Lord shall be accomplished through him. Because of his affliction, he shall see the light in fullness of days. Through his suffering, my servant shall justify many, and their guilt he shall bear. Therefore, I will give him his portion among the great, and he shall divide the spoils with the mighty. Because he surrendered himself to death and was counted among the wicked, and he shall take away the sins of many and win pardon for their offenses. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
let me never be put to shame. In your justice, rescue me. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Ah, you will redeem me, O oh Lord, O oh faithful God. Talk to my neighbors and a dread to my friends. They who see me abroad flee from me. I am forgetting like the unremembered dead. I am like a dish that is broken. My trust is in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. In your hands is my destiny. Rescue me from the clutches of my enemies and my persecutors. your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your kindness. Take courage and be stout-hearted, all you who hope in the Lord. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. Let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. In the days when Christ was in the flesh, he offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and when he was made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because of this God greatly exalt him and bestowed on him the name which is above every other name. Please sit for the proclamation of the Passion. We are all part of the proclamation of our Lord's Passion today. The Passion narrative begins from page 104 to 108 in the Missalette. Please join in the proclamation as part of the crowd marked in your book by the letter C. We will be singing during the gospel, so join in the singing Two, we will kneel as indicated, then remain standing for the rest of the gospel. The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to where there was a garden into which he and his disciples entered. Judas, his betrayer, also knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas got a band of soldiers and guards from the chief priests and the Pharisees and went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, went out and said to them, Whom are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus He said to them, I am. Judas, his betrayer, was also with them. When he said to them, I am, they turned away and fell to the ground. So he again asked them, Whom are you looking for? They said, Jesus Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill what he had said. I have not lost any of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its scabbard. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father gave me? So the band of soldiers, the tribune and the Jewish guards seized Jesus 
bound him and brought him to Annas first. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had counseled the Jews that it was better that one man should die rather than the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Now the other disciple was known to the high priest, and he entered the courtyard of the high priest with Jesus. But Peter stood at the gate outside. So that the other disciple, the acquaintance of the high priest, went out and spoke to the gatekeeper and brought Peter in. Then the maid, who was the gatekeeper, said to Peter, He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the guards were standing around a charcoal fire that they had made because it was cold and were warming themselves. Peter was also standing there keeping warm. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I have spoken publicly to the world. I have always taught in a synagogue or in the temple area where all the Jews gather, and in secret I have said nothing. Why ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the temple guards standing there struck Jesus and said, Is this the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing there keeping warm, and they said to him, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the one whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately the cock crowed. Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium. It was morning, and they themselves did not enter the Praetorium in order not to be defiled, so that they could eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, they answered and said to him, At this, Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews answered him, In order that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled, that he said, indicating the kind of death he would die, so Pilate went back into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? 
Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king? Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he again went over to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again. Not this one, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him scourged. And the soldiers wove a crown out of thorns and placed it on his head and clothed him in a purple cloak. And they came to him and said, And they struck him repeatedly. Once more, Pilate went out and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple cloak. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the guards saw him, they cried out, Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, We have the law, and according to that law, we have to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard that statement, he became even more afraid, and went back into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Jesus did not answer him. So Pilate said to him, Do you not speak to me? Do you not know I have the power to release you, and I have power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me if it had not been given to you from above. For this reason, the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Consequently, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, if you release him, you are not a friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and seated him on the judge's bench in the place called Stone Pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was preparation day for Passover, and it was about noon. And he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. They cried out, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. Christ.
So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Now many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, a share for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top down. So they said to one another, in order that the passage of scripture, scripture might be fulfilled that says, they divided my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus where his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdala. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples there, the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, aware that everything was now finished, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. There was a vessel filled with common wine. So they put a sponge soaked in wine on a spring sprig of hyssop and put it upon up to his mouth. When Jesus had taken the wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he handed over the spirit. Now since it was preparation day, in order that the bodies might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath day of that, of that week was a solemn one, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs be broken and that they be taken down. So the, sol so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first 
and then of the other one who was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one soldier thrust his lance into his side, and immediately blood and water flowed out. An eyewitness has testified, and this testimony is true. He knows that he is speaking the truth, so that you also may come to believe. For this happened so that the scripture passage might be fulfilled. Not a bone of it will be broken. And again, another passage says, they will look upon him whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, secretly a disciple of Jesus for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus. And Pilate permitted it. So he came and took his body. Nicodemus, the one who had first come to him at night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and bound it with burial cloths along with the spices, according to the Jewish burial custom. Now in the place where he had been crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been buried. So they laid Jesus there because of the Jewish preparation day, for the tomb was close by. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Behold what the Lord has done. When I behold what the Lord has done. On Mount Calvary I take my stand. And I behold what the Lord has done. On Mount Calvary, I take my stand, and I behold what the Lord has done. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. That is his nature. We gather on Mount Calvary. We behold what God has done. Our theme for reflection this afternoon is God has a heart. When we behold what God has done on Mount Calvary for us, we recognize, we come to believe that indeed God has a heart. Did you ever watch any of the Marvel movies?
Did you ever watch Avengers Endgame? That movie came out in 2019. I'm not a movie person because I do not have time for movies. Usually, um, I watch TV when I am having lunch or dinner. But in 2020, when the pandemic struck, I watched TV sometimes. And then I watched that movie by Marvel titled Avengers Endgame. The Avengers won a painful but memorable victory. And at the end of that victory, Captain America retired. But just before that memorable victory, the world was on the brink of utter destruction. Because the mischievous and greedy, selfish Thanos had all the infinity stones. And all that he needed was just a snap and the whole world will be reduced to ashes. At that point, Tony Stark was on the ground, hanging only on his last breath because he had been dealt a deadly blow by Thanos. But it was at that point that the story changed. Mr. Stark harnessed his last energy, wrestled hard with wicked Thanos, and stole away from him the Infinity Stones without Thanos knowing. Then Mr. Stark gave the snap, and immediately, Thanos and all his army dusted away and vanished. Hooray, the world is saved. Yet, Mr. Stark had to pay a price for his heroic action, and the price was the loss of his life. Then was the funeral scenery, so emotional, all the Avengers had assembled, not to fight, but to honor Mr. Stark for his heroism. And then you could see on the waters floating wreaths of beautiful flowers. And in the midst of these beautiful flowers is an arc reactor with the engraving proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Proof that Tony Stark has a heart. 
Beloved, if you should ask me today that what is Good Friday, perhaps the best answer that I can give you is that Good Friday is proof that God has a heart. Good Friday is proof that God has a heart. We are gathered here not like the Avengers who have assembled at a funeral of their beloved and their hero, Tony Stark, but we are gathered here as a believing community, as a people of God. And we declare today that today, Good Friday, is proof that our God has a heart. Today is a great day, but it is not one of jubilation. It is a day of recognition, recognition of the profundity of God's infinite love for us. So we are sad. We are sad and we will be singing sad songs to tell God and the world that we are sorry for sinning against love. We share the word of God. We meditate on the word of God so that we immerse ourselves into God's love story of the passion of his only begotten son. Proof that God has a heart is that God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die and rise for us so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life and never perish, never dust away. John chapter 3, verse 16. We will be praying for ourselves today and for the whole world as an expression of our constant need for God. Then we will receive the Holy Eucharist, a pledge of our life which flows from the passion and resurrection of Christ. And by participating in the Eucharist, we express our own mystical participation in the suffering, in the passion of Christ. We are here, and we celebrate Good Friday today not as mere spectators watching some performance or some documentary of some heroic past action, we are here not as blind imitators who would do this because everyone else is doing it, but we are here as a people with grateful hearts, grateful recognition for what God has done for us and for the world. St. Augustine says that in this, in what we celebrate today, Christ has given us not something to imitate, but something for thanksgiving. 
if it were about imitation, then maybe we should be wishing for more Judases in the world to betray people, to betray us. We should be wishing for more pilots who cannot stand by the truth. But we just give up because of the pressure from the crowd. If it were just about imitation, then we should be wishing for more false witnesses in the world and for more mischievous chief priests who will plot against those who stand for the truth. And not just against those who stand for the truth, but against truth itself. If it were just about imitation, then we should be wishing for more crowds in the world who would easily fall for falsehood. But it is about recognition and thanksgiving. We thank God for loving us so much that he sent his son to die for us. No love, no greater love has a man than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, verse 13. But friends, if there is proof that God has a heart, we have to know that the proof of God's loving heart cannot be written on some kind of electromagnetic device like that of Mr. Stark. God wants your heart. He needs your heart. He wants you to give him your heart so that on your heart will be written the proof that God has a heart. Soon we will be venerating the cross on which Jesus died to save us. And we will all approach the cross individually. Can we say that we will renew our commitment to Jesus? Can we say that we would give our lives to Jesus? Can we say that we would give up sin? Can we say that we will live in a life of hope? Can we say that we exchange our hearts for the heart of Christ so that all those we encounter in life, all those we meet in life, all those around us may recognize in us the proof that God has a heart. Beloved, let us love one another as Christ has loved us. For love of you, for love of me, he gave up his life. It is not as though you are going to save the world. Of course, your blood cannot save the world. Only Jesus can save. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Let us therefore immerse ourselves into his passion and allow him to use us as proof that God has a heart. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. And that is his nature.
Please rise for the general intercessions. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Holy Church of God throughout the world, that God will guide it and gather it together so that we may worship the Father in tranquility and peace. For our Holy Father, Pope Francis, that God who has chosen him for the office of bishop will keep him in health and strength for the sake of the church to guide and govern the holy people of God. Bishop William, for all bishops, priests, and deacons, for all who have a special ministry in the church, and for all God's holy people. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For catechumens, and for those among us who will complete the sacraments of initiation, Raven, Mary, Diana, Karen, Donald, Lindsay, and Rani, that God will open their ears and their hearts and unlock for them the gates of divine mercy, so that through the sacramental life of the church, they may receive pardon for their sins and find new life in Christ Jesus. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who share our faith in Jesus Christ, that God will gather together and keep in one church all who seek to live by the truth. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For the Jewish people, the first to hear the word of God, that they will grow in the love of God's name and in faithfulness to the covenant. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord mercy. For those who do not share in our faith in Jesus Christ, that the light of the Holy Spirit will guide them toward the path of salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who do not believe in God, that they will come to a knowledge of God through their wholehearted seeking of all that is right.
Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who serve in public office, that God will direct their minds and hearts in accordance with his will to ensure true peace and freedom. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God will rid the world of falsehood and error, dispel disease and famine from the face of the earth, break the fetters of captives, grant safe passage to travelers and those far from home, restore health to the sick, and give salvation to the dying. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Almighty and eternal God, comfort of the afflicted and strength of the weary, hear the voices of those who cry to you in distress and grant that all may rejoice because your mercy attended them in the hour of need. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. We come to the next stage of our worship today, the Adoration of the Holy Cross and collection for the Holy Land. I'll go back, I'll go to the back of the church with the altar service, and when you hear a single clap, please rise. And when I chant, you respond, then you kneel for five seconds, then you rise. After the cross has been set in place, the priest will be the first to adore our Lord's cross. Then the altar service will follow. Then we will start from the first pew. And those on the east side, all of you will come first in single file. So when the last person on the east side is just about adoring the Lord, then the first person on the west side will also start so that we come in single file. As you come to adore the Lord, make your offering for the Holy Land ready. And I want you to make it more prayerful. So there are two bowls placed at either side. Place your offering prayerfully in that bowl before you come to the Lord to adore him. If you have a special intention, something that you are praying for, as you bring that offering and as you come to adore the Lord, raise that intention to Christ crucified.
Behold the wood of the cross on which hung the salvation of the world. Behold the wood of the cross on which hung the salvation of the world. Come, let us adore. Behold the wood of the cross on which hung the salvation of the world. Come, let us adore. Kissing the cross, or genuflecting to it, or bowing to it, or touching it. Whichever way that you feel comfortable with.
Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy to share eternal life, but only say the word and my soul shall be Join in our communion song, 151, O Sacred Head Surrounded.
Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, who have restored us to life by the blessed death and resurrection of your Christ, preserve in us the work of your mercy, that by partaking of this mystery, we may have a life unceasingly devoted to you, through Christ our Lord. Bow down for the blessing. May abundant blessing, O Lord, we pray, descend upon your people who have honored the death of your Son in the hope of their resurrection. May pardon come, comfort be given, holy faith increase, and everlasting redemption be made secure through Christ our Lord. Amen. 